0: Welcome to VR Hermits, a podcast about virtual reality development. I'm Dave Ramsey.
1: And I'm Joe Simpson. How's it going, Dave? Doing really good,
0: Joe. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. So we were out last week, or uh, you were out last week. I was was, out. uh, Sitting right here. But uh, we're back this week with uh, some stuff to talk about. But uh, what's going on? You were out at a non-VR thing, a FileMaker thing for your day job.
0: Yep. There was a conference in New Orleans. Um, there was a kind of a grassroots FileMaker maker unconference kind of thing that was heck of a lot of fun. Uh, it was organized and put on by the women of FileMaker, and so it had a slightly different flavor to it. Um, one of the things that I found interesting, they had a, a historically you kind of sign up for the thing and you can kind of just start, gra- you know, grabbing time slots to present at, and they'll fill those up pretty quickly. And in the interest of getting more female presenters, they um, didn't let people sign up for those spots immediately. They threw out requests for presenters. And in the first week, like 95% of the people who proposed talks were male. Mm -hmm. And they didn't fill in any of those time slots.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: They just took the, 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 the proposals and sat on them. And in the second week, something like 70% of the presenters that they got in were female. Nice. And so that may be something that works in other conferences is just like, because that schedule will fill up within 24 to 48 hours if you let us do that. And so that's, they didn't say anything. They didn't do anything. They just said, we're looking for more presenters. Second week, tons of female presenters signed up. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was just, it was kind of an interesting little tidbit. And so it was something like 60 to 65% female presenters. I think, I don't remember the exact number, but it was well over 50. Um, and so it just definitely gave it a, a different feel um the topic selection was a little different, and i'm like i I can do this let's what what else are we gonna talk about here let's let's talk about all of this stuff from a completely different angle because shaking up these thought processes, and you know i'm as guilty as anybody else of falling into patterns of thought and ideas and whatever, so yes, please bring me a hundred new viewpoints mm-hmm. on The same stuff I've been thinking about all the time because I'll fall into a rut. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, Got to talk to a lot of users of my other software. And uh, yeah, I also got to go to New Orleans for the first time since Katrina. And it turns out I really missed that town. So Hmm. I'm going to have to go back again. Nice. So yeah, so you've been doing other stuff this whole time.
1: Yeah. I've been continuing my blender bender. And, uh, yeah, I know that never gets old, except it definitely does. (laughs) I think it's funny until I say it in front of somebody and then I see their eyes roll back in their head and I I can see them like trying not to punch me. I'm like, okay, maybe I should stop saying that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's kind of a dad joke, but okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I have uh, basically since I shipped the demo for the VR bowling thing, I haven't really done much development-wise other than just trying to get better at 3D modeling. And most of that's been in Blender, some in Virtu Studio, and uh, I've played a little bit more with Google Blocks. I just kind of don't like it as much. Like it's it's fun to just make a shape, but using that shape feels like a bad idea. <laughs> Okay. So it's a good, like, it's good for like gray boxing a model and then like, okay, I want it to be about this size and shape. Now I want to go to Virto or Blender and actually make it. Like it doesn't seem like, I don't know. I just don't feel like I can be very precise with the tools and blocks. or okay. The other two I can. Blender, I can be in- incredibly precise and Virto kind of sits in the middle where I can sit in a coffee shop on my iPad and kind of sketch ideas up with my hand and the Apple Pencil it's a really cool ui because i can actually the Virto ipad app i know he's really pushing the uh the vr version which is great but for me i just want to sit around and be lazy sometimes and the ipad pretty much the entire ui i can use with my left thumb and then all the interactions with the apple pencil so it makes for a really easy uh non rsi inflaming <laughs> workflow it's kind of great and so, then yeah lots and lots of blender
0: so in general, which do you prefer at this point? Have you have you crossed the threshold where it's like, you know, I I think my general go to is probably Blender, or does Virto still just a little too smooth?
1: No, I can get more done in Blender. Okay. Um I'm I am much faster at Blender. Virto is more of a I'm relaxing, kicking back, testing idea, and Blender's more of like I'm in a production powerhouse mode. Gotcha. Um, in fact, I even have a a 18 point checklist and a 45 minute timer for each model, and like it's all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now that sounds very, very Joe. Yeah, exactly.
1: The, the timer is actually really interesting. So I uh, about a week ago, I, I use that term really loosely. Really interesting. When I whenever I say that, I think that means the opposite.
0: <laughs> a- about a week ago, or it's interesting. No. It's interesting. Okay. When, whenever
1: I think something's really interesting, it probably isn't. <laughs> um, but about a week ago, I was doing some uh, making some shapes on a Sunday and I realized I I'd been working on one thing for about an hour and 15 minutes. And it was just a simple thing. And I had just tried a bunch of different stuff and was moving it around, resizing and scaling and adding different loops and extrusions and just just kind of having fun. So I realized like this is an environment where I can indulge my OCD in an unhealthy way if I'm not careful. Right. Where like I could spend, I could make a simple chair, like a a dining room chair, and I could spend fifteen years on it. Yeah. And never finish it. So it's like, okay, I need to, I need to have timers <laughs> if I'm ever going to get anything done. So I use a uh, high intensity interval training timer app my <laughs> exercise so okay. i made one for blender i made a little timer it's got uh let me see if i can pull it up do, do, do. so it's called the low poly modeling timer uh project start i like i give myself five minutes for project start and that includes like a little bit of googling around for reference images or writing some notes about what i'm going to make 25 minutes for the core modeling task and then at about 30 minutes in i'll get a beep this uh, a wrap up indicator it means i have about 15 minutes left um, that's when i want to start thinking about finishing any of the modeling and starts uh, doing the uh, uv cuts and unwrapping the uvs and start doing the texturing and then i have a five minute warning before the time's over and if it doesn't look like when that last bell goes off at five minutes and it doesn't look like i'm going to be able to finish then instead of trying to finish i just go over to The uh, notes file for that model and write out how far I got maybe take some screenshots and write out maybe what I'm stuck on and then that goes to the bottom of the list and I'll come back to it the next day so it's a, a very like you said a very Joe way of working of like it's really easy for me to spend way too much time on one thing so let's try to put some hard limits on how long I can spend on anything and just keep moving on
0: high intensity interval blender that's a that's a website or a blog post at least if nothing else yeah
1: Yeah. so as a result of that i've gotten 23 objects done Uh, i made a trello board for this type of thing because i thought that that's a really good (laughs) workflow so i've got like the ideas list the work in progress and the complete list and then there's also an issues list if i find an issue or something that was complete um and then each one of those the cards is based on a a template there's the 3d modeling checklist that has about 10 items or 12 items and then there's the import into unity checklist that has another dozen things and uh yeah it's pretty i mean it's pretty straightforward stuff most of it's just like little things i want to forget not to do like deleting the default camera and lamp and blender and like making sure i move the pivot point to the right place and uh apply scales and rotations from object mode things like that
0: I I think you just said little things you want to forget not to do. Hmm. I don't know. That's what my brain heard, which is a (laughs) fascinating phrase. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's more fascinating if you said it or if you didn't say it and I heard it anyway.
1: Nice. Either way, it's a a good show title.
0: Yeah. So uh, what have you been making?
1: So I have, I will send you a link so you can see i've been making mostly interior assets and by that i mean assets that i could use inside an a house or an apartment okay um just because it was it's relatively easy stuff and it's like it's all based on real world objects so i can just oh I, i need to make a bookshelf let's go measure my bookshelf and see how it sounds that was the most ohio thing i ever said measure major <laughs> it's terrible <laughs> like... <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> every time i hear myself say that i'm just disgusted <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i sent you a link to yeah. my sketchfab page and uh there's a what, there's 22 models here 21 of them are from blender the first one on there is actually something i didn't buy a long time ago yeah, just nice simple jagged shapes. Um, there's a few things that haven't been imported here because I just like I didn't put the book here independently. There's a couple other things.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that is yeah. a low poly coffee mug.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is, uh, very very low. Most um, of this is pretty simple. There's a couple of uh, collections on my page. You can see one is the interior thing. I still need to fill it out with everything else, but the other collection is uh, things that are broken, which I thought was interesting to kind of do that publicly, um, rather than like, oh, I better take that down. There's something wrong with it. I'd rather just try to learn from that stuff. So that like the uh, the sofa, the first version of the sofa had some issues with uh when i was removing doubles i was on the back of the couch trying to get rid of something and ended up messing up the front of the cushions so i redid that and just made a whole new sofa to start with and my super adorable little cactus plant actually just has like eight angons in it which um
0: i'm, I, I'm sorry
1: eight what? and okay n-g-o-n-s endgons are polygons that are more than four have more than four uh edges, okay, which makes it confusing for a game engine to triangulate those because it has to guess and it doesn't like guessing it just wants to split quads okay um, so the easiest way to get rid of an endgon is just to use the knife tool and cut some new edges in but uh in this case, I had already combined that that little potted cactus is made up of like five different uh, meshes and then i combine them and join them into one thing without actually splitting the endgons so it's really tricky to get inside there to split the ones underneath the dirt so <laughs> i didn't so what i did instead was apply the uh, triangulate modifier which is a quick fix and it definitely fixed the issue but now i can't really work with that cactus anymore um since it's no longer in quads it's really hard to actually work with if i wanted to make changes to it so it is a cactus stuck in time and it will forever be locked in that configuration the uh, the version on sketchfab wasn't triangulated though so that one's still in, in quads but it was a, a painful learning experience that you know i had to cry myself to sleep last night <laughs> Yeah, just a uh, lots of little stuff. Um bookshelves, books, a the world's most primitive laptop with a single button on the keyboard.
0: Okay, hang on a second, going back. Cuz I I looked at the laptop and said this is why the keyboard on the new Mac laptops sucks. Is <laughs> because somebody loves that beautiful outline there.
1: Yeah. That was the only thing I didn't have to look up a reference image for. I just looked <laughs> down.
0: <laughs> it's almost like a a self portrait. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it's just one shape where the keyboard is, and then uh, apparently I haven't tried it myself, but Job Simulator is quite a popular VR game, and I guess the the keyboard they have in Job Simulator just has a zero and a one key, which is kind of delightful. <laughs>
0: that's almost like that uh what was it it was the macbook click wheel that the onion did yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) obnoxious yeah anyway
1: so yeah i think i'm over the worst of blender of like getting past the the weirdness in the ui and uh just learning how to use it i wrote a blog post about this last week um and i'll put a link to that in the show notes in case anybody finds it helpful. There's a, a link to the article that talks about, like, why am I using Blender now when I failed to a couple other times. And kind of we, we talked about last time on the show of like having a guru or having a friend that can help me understand some of the core concepts It was really helpful. And then I, I added some links to some of the books and uh, video tutorials that I've done or that I found helpful.
0: So um it, and I know that having a guru is a really good mechanism for resolving a misunderstanding but can you can you kind of look back on it and tell what the major sticking point was that was making blender so hard to get before where it's becoming easier now like not just the instruction but like was there something about blender that now you understand that you didn't get before and that getting that allowed you to make much more progress?
1: Yes, many things. I guess the the most important one was the non-traditional user interface and user experience. Um, When you first install Blender with a default configuration, the left and right clicks in Blender are switched. (laughs) (laughs) So so what you're saying is the,
0: the project... Uh, coordinator is left handed is that is that what's happening the,
1: the the gentleman who made that decision has some very interesting opinions about <laughs> how a mouse should work okay and uh so yeah there's that the the windowing is is very how do I put this politely? you know how you're a developer and I'm a developer, and sometimes we think something is an awesome idea because it's possible mm-hmm that's kind of a lot of what the blender design has been over the years. Although it seems like the last couple of years, they're getting more designers involved. And, and uh, I think people in general are just becoming more aware of software user experiences. So I think that's kind of pushing blender into more of a streamlined workflow, but there are definitely some things in the, like the windowing system. It's like, that was somebody who figured out how to do something really cool and they chipped that but it wasn't really cool from a user experience standpoint or from a usability standpoint it was cool from a programming standpoint so the the windows you have one application window and then you have a bunch of tabs kind of like unity or unreal engine but done badly okay (laughs) um where each tab is a region and you can't just add new tabs and like, you know, like in unity, you can just grab one of the tabs and pull it out and it'll undock from unity and you can put it wherever you want. That doesn't work like that blender. Each region is kind of, um, made up of a series of lines. And as you add additional regions, the only way to add a region is, is to basically duplicate it and then pull over from or pull down. So you can end up really easily like, messing up the default layout and the only way to get back is to restart Blender and hopefully you didn't save that as like your settings file but it's it's kind of hard to d- describe in audio, maybe I'll do a quick um, video for it just to show what I mean. Anyone who's opened Blender before knows what I'm talking about because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a real gotcha and even one of the videos <laughs> it's kind of awesome the 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 video in one of the Udemy courses where he's warning us about these issues he keeps triggering the issues he's warning against and he's like part laughing and part getting frustrated (laughs) (laughs) it's like i i feel your pain man like this is somebody who's been using blender for like 10 years and he's like ah i just did it again (laughs) oh yeah so things like that that were those were really tripping me up and i also like Outside of the Blender-specific thing, I've just been struggling with the concepts of 3D modeling in general, and then just having somebody else to watch make some basic shapes and learn how, like, hey, not everything has to be made out of a single object. So especially for game assets, sometimes it's okay just to add, you know, if you're making a table, just make legs as separate objects and and combine them, rather than, you know, having loop cuts and extrudes everywhere. Okay. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of other things. Um, so
0: more composition rather than sculpting.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the the type of thing I'm doing is mostly playing with blocks, um, rather than you know a lot of the shapes I've done in this collection are are you know starting as a single object. So I think the laptop is a good example of something that the the laptop body including the screen is all a single object, but the trackpad and the keyboard are just two smushed down cubes where I deleted the bottom face and then lowered them down on to the surface of the laptop. Um, Cause that was a much cleaner way and a much, much more low poly way of actually doing that. Uh, if I were to, to do that the other way that I tried, I would have to end up either subdividing that face many, many times and then recombining some of those which would leave me a bunch of T junctions on the sides of that face, or I'd have to loop cut the entire bottom of that and modify things. And I would have many more polygons. So it's that kind of like finding that middle ground of like, how far can I get with this one method? And then can I plop this other method on top of that? Um, Now, again, if I were to do any 3D modeling for like 3D printing, this would be a horrible way to do that because this, this is still treated as three separate meshes in that regard, or three different mesh data objects, and they're not literally joined in the same way that a 3D printer would need. Right. So you'd have some really messed up stuff. But for Unity, it totally works. And, uh, doing that same kind of thing, like uh, leaving things as separate objects, like the, the sofa has uh, cushions on the back of it, so there's the sofa object and there's like pillow one and pillow two on the back of it. And those are separate objects and they have their own box collider on them. The sofa has its own series of colliders on it so that you could actually, if you wanted to, you could attach rigid bodies to the cushions and pick them up and throw them around, but leave the sofa where it is, something like that. So, yeah, yeah.
0: You're, you're using terminology like T junctions and I'm like, okay, so Joe has moved beyond my version of English <laughs> and into a domain specific language. And that's totally okay. T but...
1: junctions and angons. Yes. Those are two of the big gotchas for Unity. to so big things to watch out for. So yeah, well, it's neat. uh it's really fun stuff. Um having the timer has been really helpful. I don't always even start the timer. I'm just used to I use that a lot the first couple of days and now I'm kind of used to how long mentally a model should take me and if I feel like I'm spinning my wheels or scaling my vertices too much then it's uh, it's time to stop and work on something else I
0: like it (laughs) so uh how's the bowling thing going
1: so the bowling thing I haven't really done much to it I've got a couple of small changes to make to it I've got some new songs to put in uh, from my friend Tony and just some input from a couple of people who tried it last week asked me to turn the uh, the music levels down and the sound effects up a little bit okay things like that Uh, I did apply for the Vive Studios thing and haven't heard anything back don't really expect to but uh, it was worth doing Anyway, and uh, other than that, I'm not really sure what else I'm going to do with it. Um, and That's a good segue because I was at the COG meeting, the Central Ohio game dev group on Friday night, and the organizer of a retro gaming con called Korgs it was there, and he asked me to bring the bowling thing um, and set up a VR demo there and that would be a really good opportunity to show a thousand people my product if i make it into a product (laughs) and just that's the part that i'm kind of stuck on like do i want to do that do i have time to do that um i'm just not sure i've got about two and a half weeks or i've got about a week to decide i gave i need to follow up with him by saturday or so um but i'm just not sure like i, I need to spend some time doing filemaker work for the next couple of months um i haven't really seen enough of a response on HIO to justify like no one's aside from people who've seen it at cog you know other user groups and maybe some listeners of the podcast i don't think anybody else outside of those groups have even clicked on that link um it hasn't gotten very many page views or downloads so it's like eh, and it, I know HIO is not the best place to be pushing VR stuff, but it just doesn't seem like a good idea to put it on Steam because it's not a product. It's a it's an idea. Um, so I don't know if I want to go show a thousand people a thing that may never happen on one hand. On the other hand, I don't know if I want to spend the time and the money between now and the next couple of weeks doing that. I'd have to make some changes to the app. I'd have to buy some accessories for the vibe, so I'm not letting... Other people wear my face mask.
0: <laughs> <laughs> trying to put that as nice as possible. <laughs> Doesn't the Vive have two little face thingies?
1: I've used it, both of them. Oh. And i bought replacements. Okay. I like a nice clean face plate.
0: Well, sure. Sure. But you only need one for all of them.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. People sweat in them and they get, it gets really nasty. Yeah. It's It's, it's not good. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, short of picking up another set of, of the, the little face rings, phone face rings, um, I don't know that you need to do much. Go. See, see if people like it. If you become the hit of the show, then you know you've got something. Yeah. And if you've, you know, if everybody's like, oh, that's nice, then... You know, if people are getting out of your experience going, ooh, I got to get me some VR, then you've got a thing. Mm-hmm. And that can just be yeah. a big question. Yeah, I just don't
1: know that this game is going to do that for anybody. Like I said, it was definitely a valuable learning experience, but I don't think it's exciting enough. Like I'm trying to put myself in that position of would I, have been, would I have been super impressed by this? And I don't think so. I think... Things like the lab, or super hot were much more impressive. From a like, wow, this is what VR is standpoint. And now, um, have you heard of Beat Saber?
0: I've heard the name, but I haven't. I haven't seen it. It's
1: definitely something that I want. I'm not going to get it yet because it's, it's going to be my reward for the next time I ship a product. But basically, you have uh, it's a rhythm game in VR where you have lightsabers. <laughs> and it just looks like a ton of fun, and it's only been out maybe a week or two, and it's, it seems to be doing really, really well. Um, that's the kind of stuff that people, I keep seeing more and more tweets on on the internet of, like, this, and I just tried to beat Saber, I have to get VR. Like, I don't think the bowling game is going to get that reaction. Um, could be wrong, but I don't know it really does come down to how much work i get I'm, i've got a couple of meetings this week in the filemaker world since i haven't gotten any unity subcontracting um, i had to go back to uh the filemaker world for a while so i may be about to be get i may well it's not even a sentence <laughs> <laughs> i may be getting really busy okay um, for the next couple of months so. Who knows? That's why I've been working on 3D modeling rather than, than continue working on the uh, bowling thing or starting another game. The 3D modeling thing is like each each model is a tiny little 45-minute project as opposed to something that I'm becoming like, intellectually invested in for a couple of weeks or months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then by the time I do have an idea, I'll have a ton of 3D models that I can pull from. <laughs> to prototype stuff out. So yeah, I'm still on the fence. You, you haven't convinced me. I haven't okay. convinced me.
0: I'm, I'm not saying you put it to market. I'm just saying mm-hmm. your total investment for doing the show and getting much greater exposure is relatively small. Getting a lot of exposure and doing nothing with the exposure is okay. That's legal. You can go, nope, if you want to play this game, you got to find me. Yeah. Which isn't true because they can play it on itch.io. Yeah. So, you hmm. d- your total investment is a few hours of your time, and the cost of some face rings for the for the mask. That's yeah. that's your investment, and if you get nothing out of it aside from getting to show more people your stuff, that's not bad. Hmm. All right. And I'll you, think about it. You, you never know if one of those people might be the one that goes hey actually this reminds me of something that we wanted to do at work
1: well that's the thing it's a retro gaming con and i have a feeling that a bunch of a very special kind of nerd with their ataris and and uh commodore 64s are going to look at my vr technology and declare me a heretic and Throw cartridges at me.
0: Yeah, but you're using your your super high tech stuff to be able to go bowling, which is about as retro <laughs> as it gets. Like, Joe, this is True. fine. And if they don't want to, they don't. You know, they go hang out with a with a one button joystick and and they they can play those games. But if if they want to try something more elaborate, you're there. And particularly if you're the only VR one there. I mean, who knows? It might be just a couple of hours of you sitting there and nobody wanting to demo your thing. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. If nothing else, if they're spending all of their time playing retro games, a lot of them won't have even gotten a chance to be in VR.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So if all you end up doing is talking to people and giving them you know, the, the really gentle onboarding process, the personal guided tour that's okay, too. You're building a larger audience for VR in general. Go be an ambassador, Joe.
1: <laughs> nice. Will you go with me? When is it? June 2nd.
0: Um, Almost certainly. Let me... June 2. June 2 appears to have nothing scheduled on it. So um, sure I'll go. All
1: right. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Anyway, so a a couple quick things before I pass it to you. Mm -hmm. Since you were out of town, uh you missed the Columbus VR meetup. And uh we talked it was a a discussion about networking games and Unity and particularly VR games and experiences. And uh, it started as more of a presentation and turned into more of just a discussion about what people were using and um, some pretty cool stuff there. A lot of it was over my head and uh, so I didn't quite get a lot of it, um, but it was a pretty short discussion and then lots of just late like, let's hang out and do VR stuff. And uh, so it was a much smaller meeting than the last one we went to and I got to try two headsets, one of which wasn't anything new it was the Dell version of the Windows mixed reality headset it's very similar to the Samsung and the Lenovo I have um it's a bit uh, is it better build quali- quality than the Lenovo it comes with a lot more weight to it but it's not nearly as good as the Samsung Odyssey okay uh, um so kind of in between those two i think it's still the same resolution as the Lenovo Explorer but okay. uh, the screen was definitely brighter Um, but the cool thing about trying that one is that it was attached to an MSI backpack laptop (laughs) so So you could just stroll around yeah and of course we're in this massive event room where there's plenty of room to just walk around and there was a couple times where somebody was trying a different headset that I'll talk about in a second and somebody else was wearing that one and they're like walking into each other (laughs) it's like this is what VR meetups are supposed to be (laughs) (laughs) Two people in their own worlds, ignoring each other. (laughs) So yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. It it was surprisingly light. This backpack couldn't have been more than two or three pounds. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was very, very light compared, especially compared to my ten pound laptop that becomes a, you know, twenty pound backpack when I put it on.
0: Um. Yeah, your your laptop is a little a little over engineered. Yeah. But I i like it too like it's the, it's good the power brick is
1: four pounds yeah <laughs> so yeah it gets a bit much but uh the other thing i got to try was the oculus go which is the standalone headset from oculus this is a three degree of freedom standalone headset with inside out tracking type thing um and it's a fair it's inexpensive it's 200 bucks it plays the entire gear VR content library. And I think there's relatively the same APIs. I, I know there's some additional features that the Oculus go has that the gear VR um, headsets and phones don't. But for the most part, I think developing for them is pretty similar. Um, but I didn't get to try it too long. Maybe just about a minute. I just wanted to put it on and see how it looked. the, So I don't really have anything to say about content or user experience or anything like that. What I think was amazing is the lenses were just on a whole different level. Really? No rings, no huge field of view, no like getting the headset just in the right place. It was perfect clarity. Huh. Okay. I, I have no idea what they're doing differently from the others that I've tried, but these were perfect, at least to my eyes. Like I want these lenses in everything right now. <laughs> in fact, they're so good that a bunch of people have started buying Oculus Go's just to take the lenses out and put them on their Rift.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: So that's a thing that's happening already.
0: Two hundred dollar um, lens upgrade. Okay.
1: And uh, but I guess the the headset itself has done really really well. They've uh, it, it's gotten pretty good reception. Facebook had their conference and gave a whole bunch of them out there to all their attendees. But yeah, it seems to be doing pretty well. It it almost seems kind of, kind of like a almost pathetic response from uh, Google launching their standalone headset a couple of days after that and then Vive sort of announcing dev kits for the Vive Focus. So I think they're like, oh wait, Oculus is doing something. We need to hurry up and do something too. But both of them are coming in much more expensive they're both six six degree of uh, freedom headsets so they're they're better in many ways but you know twice the price for the what's the uh i think it's a lenovo something something from that has the daydream platform and then vive making the vive focus that runs with viveport It's been out in China for a couple of months now and it's coming to the U.S. soon. And that's, I think it's going to be closer to $600 or $700 for that. So it's like, yeah, these, these both have better features, but that's a big price point or a big price difference when if people are having fun with the three degree of freedom thing, then what can developers do to really kind of push the limits of design for that environment and make as much content for it? while wow, that's the norm. Because I, I have no idea if it's going to take off and be a super successful thing or if it's just kind of a splash in the pan. It's definitely interesting to see people be that excited over a three degree of freedom headset.
0: Mm. Yeah, as we've previously discussed, I the three degree of freedom headsets do not work well for me. Yeah. Um, not impressed. Well, it, it's not so much not impressed. it's It's visually disturbing to me when the world it it breaks vr is what it does so it's very it would probably be great if i was sitting on the couch yeah and that's how i use my daydream um but just the tiniest bit of leaning (laughs) it was just just as i'm standing and shifting from one foot to another like stuff in the world looks like it's moving around and I know it's not moving around. It's staying perfectly stationary while I'm moving. But in my VR sense, that feels like I'm moving and they're moving away from me. And it's really unsettling.
1: Yeah. It's good for, it's good for passive content. It's good for videos. It's very good for videos, honestly. Mm. Um, but it's also good for games that have kind of a third-person view where you're maybe directing a player with a controller. Um, there's a couple of games like that I've played, like... Uh, Lola and the Giant, and a couple other ones. Um, there's also, I don't know, there's a, there's a few Daydream games that I, I really like, but these are sit on the couch games or sit in my comfy swivel chair games, um, not moving around, things like that. The the one thing that I think, if anybody's listening and thinking about doing some three degree of freedom stuff, I would almost prefer all of the games have kind of a narrower focus rather than make a game that you can turn around and look all over the world just keep the user facing in a direction and rotate the world as needed so give me a not so much a 180 but maybe a 140 degree field of play where I can sit down literally sit down comfortably on the couch and lean back and put my feet up and not have to you know get up and turn around things like that um, hmm. so that I think that would work for a lot of, a lot of games
0: that's an interesting design constraint. I wonder if you could do fun stuff with that. I think so. Like, like I, I to make it look really cool that way. Yeah.
1: I've seen a couple endless runners on Daydream. Um that's kind of fun. Where you can uh just use the uh the trackpad on the controller to go left and right. And you're you're kind of a follow cam. You're not actually the object that's moving. Okay. Um, and Google has a bunch of stuff built into, the, I think it's in the uh, Daydream Elements app. There's a, a follow cam that handles a bunch of really smooth movements. So the, the follow cam isn't like locked to the player object in the same way that we would normally think of. It, it only responds to big movements, and you can kind of adjust that on a per app basis so you can make some pretty smooth stuff. So yeah, I'm sure Oculus has those same kind of features in their SDK. I haven't tried it yet, but yeah. so I was pretty impressed with the lenses. I don't have much to say about the rest of the headset. I don't really know anything about it. it. It was a very nice build quality. It does have some kind of integrated speakers into the headband, but they I'm not sure how they work because they don't cover your ears, and where <laughs> where I was at was too loud to hear anything from them. So okay. Um, At $200,
0: (laughs) they're probably not bone conduction.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I doubt that. But uh, yeah, it was some neat stuff. Um, I'm on the fence for whether or not I should get one because it was a nice looking headset and it has some nice content and some nice lenses. But, you know, I still don't like Facebook. (laughs) So there's that.
0: Hey, speaking of Facebook, (laughs) how's that for a transition? Nice. Uh, I've been uh, taking another look at uh, VRTK. Because I had, or or rather I've been taking a look at VRTK because Mm -hmm. I hadn't previously looked because you were cutting trail at that point. And you were like, hey, this looks really neat, but it's got some issues and it looks like they're not going to support it. And so I'm not going to look at it anymore. And I went, okay, well, thanks for chasing that down for me. I appreciate it. I'll just not bother.
1: Yeah. So I get the segue. You mean because Oculus has uh, funded VRTK for another version? Yes. Okay.
0: Oh, you didn't get the...
1: <laughs> I can't, It took me
0: a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so Facebook to Oculus to VRTK. Yeah. So, uh, as we mentioned, I think last time, um, they got funding, which they wanted. So they are going to be doing a new version of VRTK, VRTK V4, because mm-hmm. they've announced it. It's like a two hour live stream where they're answering people's questions and talking about future plans and whatever like that. Um, which yeah, I, all I still funny. haven't watched that. No. Um, there's some neat stuff in there they were talking about um uh rewriting a lot of stuff, like taking the opportunity to refactor a bunch of things, making it easier to get in and integrate and get started and mm-hmm. and access the power that they've got
1: well so much uh, of so much of these things have changed since they started v r t k like the steam v r asset that i use or you can get in the asset store isn't necessary strictly speaking in unity anymore when that was launched you had to use that because that was the only way to interact with steam vr stuff but now uh, unity has built in open vr support apis and you can call those directly you can still use the steam vr stuff as a convenience layer if you find it convenient Um, but you don't have to and vrtk was built around using that SteamVR vr library so you basically have two abstraction layers between you and the open vr sdk mm-hmm. the way it stands now so i know he's wanted to redo that for a while um the one thing maybe you've already you're going to touch on this but one of the guys at the vr meetup when they were talking about this news he mentioned yes it's great news no, you shouldn't start using VRTK right now because I haven't tra- chased it myself. Maybe you have, but I guess the, there's not going to be a transition from the current VRTK 3. Point whatever to 4. Point something. It's going to be a new product, and you're going to have to start over from okay. that point. So maybe don't go download VRTK and start <laughs> learning it <laughs> if that's true. I haven't I haven't found out. I haven't found any references to that yet, but I haven't looked.
0: I I did see that he did say that twenty eighteen point one will be the minimum Unity version supported. Okay. By that four. That um, he's not going to try and back backload any of that stuff, including even to the twenty seventeen dot four support version. Yeah. So. That was that was a thing, uh, I, yeah. I, I was mostly just looking, kind of getting a sense of what was going on. Um, there's a there was a fun video I was watching on the grab mechanisms, mm-hmm. and I was just really impressed by the quantity of thought that went into capturing likely variations in grab modes and the strengths and limitations of each and that all of these were just relatively supported things and then a couple in a couple of spots how he was compositing them for example in picking up a fire extinguisher and in your other hand grabbing the hose mm, and being nice. able to control the pressure with your left hand while controlling direction with the right hand and using some joints in between to kind of fake up a hose real quick um because he was doing very, very low poly examples, which is all fine. Um, Or there was another one that was, it was a pistol. And when you gripped the pistol, there was this huge ultra low poly slide on top of the gun. So you had to cock the gun by grabbing the slide and pulling it back. And so the slide had a different grab mechanism than the gun itself which was kind of slick. Um, So watching these videos was just like this constant barrage of interesting little ideas of just little pieces of interaction that he had um, cleared brush for and that it would make them a little easier to interact with in theory. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a ton of sample scenes in the VRTK of just different gestures and ways to interact with objects and combine objects and buttons and gears and just all kinds of stuff. Um, and he, what I particularly liked about it is they're all unity primitives. He didn't bog you down with a bunch of animations and complex meshes. Just like, nope, here's a cube, here's a sphere, here's a plane, yep. and here's how to teleport on that and pick up the cube and throw it off the plane. Yep. S- simple stuff like that. So,
0: Yeah, it, it really let the the mechanisms and the behaviors speak for themselves. And I saw what they could become without him having to, okay, here's a 3000 poly monster mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're going to shoot with the gun. It was like, that's irrelevant at this point. Um, so yeah, that was neat. Uh, digging around in there, I found the link to his uh, roadmap which I'm not sure if it's been updated since the 4.0 announcement. But his entire roadmap and all the features and bugs and things like that that he's dealing with are all on a site called uh, waffle.io.
1: Yeah, I've heard of that.
0: Which was a very uh, – what was the one you were looking at for plotting out all your your 3D models you were going to do?
1: I've been using Trello.
0: Trello. That was it. It's a, think of it as like a low poly Trello. (laughs) Um, It was, it was much more programmer y, which in some ways I think is probably almost better. Um, But it was, it was kind of neat to look at that and see what was going on and ideas and the collaborative element that was happening within the community at that level. Um, I also always have a lot of respect for people who put, all those bug lists out public. Like Mm -hmm. here's everything that's wrong. Everything that we've got documented that's wrong with what I'm doing here. Take a look, dig through it. There was somebody on there who was asking, they were building a feature for supporting hamster ball movement. (laughs) Okay. Which there's a great animation for it that linked from there. Um, I'll find you the link. But uh, it involved, like, you're in a sphere, (laughs) and using the controllers, you reach out in front of you and grab the sphere and move it, and it produces smooth forward or side-to-side motion, and you can, like, knock things over and you rotate. So it's like your feet are frictionless. (laughs) (laughs) But you're just moving your hands to do this. And it just looked really compelling. I really kind of wanted to do marble madness but you're the marble. Hmm. It was kind of like we we had talked about attaching a camera to like a bowling ball. Yeah. And just watching the thing flip around. It would be like that except you're the the you the camera isn't flipping around. Yeah, you're it's stabilized. nicely smooth inside. So doing ramps and picking up acceleration and things like that was just all a really interesting movement style. Um, so
1: I had an idea recently about so we whenever we're talking about vr movement the conversation is always about dealing with simulator sickness emotion mm-hmm. sickness and what can we do to make it easier for people and my, i was just sarcastically uh griping about nobody cares about me Where, where's my vr movement and uh like i don't get sickness but like where's all the extreme vr movement <laughs> so i came up i came up with a, a really bad idea that I, I haven't prototyped yet but i think it would be hilarious um basically you've got your two controllers as your hands you've got some kind of mesh object that you can interact with on your head and you can grab that and pick it up and throw it you can <laughs> throw your head around <laughs> so that's how i want to move in vr so i was actually thinking about implementation because as soon as you grab that object how do you actually move your controller relatives to the the head you, you kind of can't like, they're locked in at that point. So I was thinking the, uh, the object, while the hand is holding it, your camera stays at the starting position. So say you're standing there in a T-pose. You reach over. You grab the head object and pick it up. Your camera doesn't move at that point. It's only after you let go of it, when you throw it, that's when the camera snaps to the origin of that object in motion. And then you can do some stabilizing stuff in there if you didn't want to be spinning around like an idiot. But uh, I may actually prototype that and just see if it's fun because it sounds fun.
0: (laughs) Uh, Two things on that. One, if you look at one of the um, grabbing and interaction videos for VRTK, he's got an example in there of grabbing things using basically like a spring joint. Mm -hmm. And so you've grabbed it and you've got relatively tight control over it, but not exact control. Like the, the thing isn't bound, it, it's, it's chained to your hand, not super glued to your mm-hmm. hand. And so it could still have rotation in things. So you could continue to move your head around while you're holding it up in your arm, which would be <laughs> bizarre. And I've I been trying, knowing how you are with movement and such in VR, I've been suggesting a couple of times that you really need to make the Vomit Comet game. <laughs> but like this is a game that is designed to do everything it possibly can to make you vomit in VR, like nice. beginning to end the, wor- the worst VR experience ever. And same. I think people would do it in the same way they like, you know, eat a spoonful of cinnamon or something. Like the I I think it would sell, Joe. I and it, you could yeah. just keep making it worse and worse and worse.
1: See, so, yeah, I just think it would be fun to go into VR chat or one of the the social platforms where you can have your own avatar, and as you're talking to somebody, just pick up your head and throw it across the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Wait, what? What just happened? <laughs> or just throw it at somebody you disagree with. <laughs> oh yeah, here's my face.
0: <laughs> there was an early social MMO game thing, kind of like a precursor to Second Life, mm-hmm. where. One of the common trollish things to do was meet new players as they got off the boat in this new land and be like, hey, there's all sorts of cool stuff you can do in here. Like, you can take your head off and give it to somebody. And they, like, take their head off and kind of wave it around and put their head back on. Here, take your head off and, like, hand it to me. And they hand it to him and they run away with your head. <laughs> So there's, there's all, like your head respawns in like 24 hours but there's all these headless noobs walking around like I don't have a head I'm new it's, I guess everybody gets caught by this this is a great first user experience see See. here's the thing Joe I think the vomit comet idea is so good that I would make it if I could if you but could. I can't test that game Joe I can't do it a thousand times <laughs> You're the only one who can make this.
1: Does it come with some kind of HMD attachment, like a <laughs> like a barf bag?
0: <laughs> no, just a uh, a. You need to like digitally sign here before yeah. you're allowed to enter the game. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'll think about it. <laughs> Might be a hard time demoing that in public.
0: Uh, that also would be tough. No, no, no. This is one that goes directly to Steam, Joe. It goes directly to Steam. And you just keep coming up with more and more terrible, horrible things to do to human beings' inner ears.
1: Nice. I can mess with all kinds of spatial audio at the same time. (laughs) Oh, God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah you can you can hear the uh, the fire engine sirens approaching and then they just suddenly like start going up while the siren continues going along in front of you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really really disorienting. Nice.
1: So we have one more topic to talk about. Um I guess do you want to kick this one off?
0: Uh sure. Um after this FileMaker conference Um, there were a, I got really motivated to kind of work on my, my day job stuff a bunch more. Um, and I'm, I'm going to kind of focus there for probably the next couple months and, uh, I'm going to need to kind of go on a bit of a hiatus. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm saying goodbye forever, (laughs) But I, I am not going to be able to put in the time on game development for the next couple of months that I really feel I should be putting in to be able to be conversationally useful in this discussion. Okay. Um, and we're having discussions about exactly what that means podcast-wise. Mm-hmm. How, the, how the impact is and how much Joe's going to be doing with that. And I, we don't have anything to really announce regarding that today. Yeah. But
1: so, so as of now, uh, episode 40, we're going to go on to some kind of hiatus. And that may be a couple of months for both of us where we just don't have anything for a while. Um, or maybe, uh, I may look into after talking with Dave, I may look into a couple of guest hosts for a while. Um, maybe one guest host for the summer or just a couple of rotating guests depending on the availability. Um, I may also consider doing some short interviews with other VR content creators, particularly people who are actually just making stuff. I'm not not as interested about talking about VR startups and VR as as an abstract cool idea, but people who are actually making stuff in VR, whether they're doing 3D modeling or, building games or making 360 videos or even writing stories about VR. Um, I think that could be kind of a cool potential spin-off idea. Um, so yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen yet. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, you'll hear something from me on Twitter within <laughs> the, <laughs> the next couple of weeks. But uh, if you, dear listeners, have any suggestions or, or something you would like to see happen, Uh, Please let me know on Twitter, and uh, it would be helpful to get as much input as I can on that. Um, And not to put you on the spot, Dave, and Mm -hmm. I can edit this out if you don't want to do this, but we could always dust our old show off and do that one every couple of weeks Mm -hmm. while we're working in that other industry, because I'm going to be doing a bunch of FileMaker work, too.
0: (laughs) So we can just go back to being massively unqualified. Mm-hmm. Uh that's an idea as well. That that may well happen. So we
1: may, may we may just switch RSS feeds for a while. <laughs> <laughs> or some, some yeah. combination of those ideas. Nothing's decided yet. We should we should try to obviously feel feel free to say no to this, but we should try to do an episode beginning of June, which is about a year into starting this. But uh We'll try to think about that at the time. Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll record at the Korg's con. <laughs> <laughs> that that's gonna be an excellent recording environment for a podcast.
0: The delighted squeals of all your adoring fans. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, um, That's our show for today. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm VRHermit underscore Dave. I'm
1: VRHermit underscore Joe. Thank you for listening.